I'm Joe, a host who is reeling after grasping defeat from the jaws of victory on yesterday's 9320 uh, quiz. So to improve my mood, I thought we'd return to a series close to my heart, which is Manchester City Cult Heroes. So joining me is none other than a, a true blue connoisseur of the City Cult Hero, Mr. Howard Hocking. How are we doing? Morning. I guess you've decided for me which order we're putting the two pods out today then. Absolutely. <laughs> Quiz first, then this second. That's fine by me. So. Top man, top man. And for um, those that haven't listened to the quiz, it was quite the collapse, was it not? So. Well, Newcastle 95-96-esque springs to mind. Yeah. I think it 15-point lead did they have, only to blow it. But enough of that anyway. Devon Moving Lock, on. Devon Lock for our older <laughs> listeners, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Does that mean anything to you? No, I'm just saying exactly like I have a clue what it means, but you don't I have know no Devon idea. Lock, it's like the no, it's the example of messing up when you've got a big. It's a horse in the Grand National that was about fifty okay. lengths clear, going and down collapsed. the straight, and it kind of got uh, jelly legs and got overtaken and just collapsed basically. So now you know. Right now I know. I'm yeah. there. <clears throat> Call me Devon. Right, so, <laughs> moving forward, um, I think the last time we got to go from one of these, it was quite an enjoyable experience, yeah. uh, it was Ali Bernabia, wasn't it, um, and Sean Gota, um, so. A good month ago, I think, so. Yeah, it was really good, uh, I listened to you on, um, on some of our American um, exports, or imports, I should say, it was Rayner and Demarcus Beasley, was it? Yeah, Andrew, Andrew Detmer came from a very different angle, so. Yeah, that's good ex- though. Yeah, it, cult heroes is not just. Well, we we try to define it on our first show, and it's not easy, is it? No, because you can be no. too good to be a cult hero in a way. Because then you get into, I don't know, maybe, maybe you can be a legend and a cult hero. It's it's all very flexible, and yeah, uh, and Alano, and of course Andy Morrison were great footballers, but it's very hard to define. And it's kind of personal in a way as well, which yeah, which was Andrews approach to this what they meant to him rather than looking at pure stats and goals and that sort of thing so yeah it's very enjoyable doing it with him I think it sums up the 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 age-old cliche with football that it's a game of opinions doesn't it mm-hmm. I mean, it's just such a subjective narrative but if I'm right in saying this is episode number three then is it um because we did Bourne and Andrew so this will be the third won't it so I think yeah. so yeah yeah, we're starting to rack them up. So, yeah. Uh, There's plenty to choose from. So. A club of fine history and fine <laughs> cult heroes. Since so, 2008, yeah. I know. We've done, we've done well, really, to get all these pods, considering <laughs> we only was formed in 2008. But, yeah, um, spectacularly, these two signed for us before that date, which we'll go into shortly, shortly even. Um, so, yeah, I think um, if you're happy to, I think we... I don't think there's going to be anyone disagreeing who who watched these two and listening that will go in importance of the signing um, almost saving the best till last in that regard um, so firstly we're going to start with some Brazilian flair um, a player who's very close to my young heart at the time um, and, and probably the shining light in what was otherwise a miserable secondary school period <laughs> for me <laughs> um, and that was the signing of Mr Alano Bloomer Um and obviously then secondly, we'll cover some, some Inverness Steel and Braun in, in Andy Morrison, who I think it's fair to say had a, a serious transformative impact on, on the trajectory of our club. Um, so we'll start with Alano. Um, 
Howard, he, he signed from from Shakhtar actually, and I, I remember we had that that kind of flurry of signings under Sven, didn't we? Where he came in quite late in in the summer because of the, the tax and Shinawatra takeover. Uh, and if you remember uh, at the old City club shop on the second floor, they had that hastily um, gathered press conference where they seemed to announce about fifteen new signings. Uh, okay, that's an exaggeration, but you know, a good four or five. I think- uh, I think it was a ridiculous number across the summer, though, wasn't it? So yeah, Alana was part of this press conference, and he's obviously the most expensive of the imports at um, eight million pounds from Shakhtar Donetsk. Not the first Brazilian to sign from them, I might add, or the last even. Um, but he was actually signed on the second of August two thousand and seven. Now I, I remember him coming slightly earlier than that, but that was really close to the start of the season. Um, and I think it's fair to say his signing summed up the excitement and, and, and almost the unknown quantity element of, of that summer and, and the Sven era, if you will. Because speaking from my experience, and I'll, I'll ask you shortly yours, I didn't know whether to go into this season scared that we could be obliterated because we had a load of foreign imports who had no Premier League experience, who we knew nothing about and could end up bottom of the league, or if we would be <laughs> challenging for a, a European place. Um, and I think Alana was signing kind of summed that up. How do you remember your feelings going into that season at the time? Yeah, oh, just about Alana, yeah. One of two uh, two Brazilians to come to Manchester from Shakhtar for the weather. So, you know it must be bad. You know it must be bad over in Ukraine if they're coming to Manchester for the weather. And Alana actually mentioned that when he came. So he said, uh, I adapted to you know, the climate in Shakhtar Donetsk. I'll be fine in Manchester. It's a beautiful city. I... My vague memory, I was really excited about this season because obviously Shinoatra was a, a wrong gun, as we would find out. But he yeah. talked the talk, didn't he? He was a show, he was a politician, he was a showman, and I'm sure we all, a lot of us, most of us, maybe all of us, got suckered in by that. And who doesn't? After coming off the Stuart Pearce years, new chairman, yeah, uh... he's splashing the cash, lots of foreign fancy names. I mean, of course, we didn't know everything about every player in those days. We didn't have YouTube reels, though they're pretty deceptive anyway. Uh, no, I, I thought, this is amazing. Uh, yeah, he signed up. I think at the time, it was uh, Javier Garrido was the one of the other ones. Uh, that didn't excite, or would never excite. And Choluca, veteran Choluca. Yeah, I thought he was, was, by the way. I thought he was going to be you know, a, a superstar for us, but... Yes, he was slow, but he was a pretty, he was a very talented technical footballer. Uh, but he didn't work out, either. he didn't stay very long, did he? Was it Spurs he went to, first of all? Or? So, yeah, he went to Spurs and actually turned into a very good servant for them. Mm. And uh, it broke my post finish secondary school heart uh, because he was. I'm, I'm always, I've always personally been one for the classy Rolls Royce like yeah. defender. Uh, and I just thought. I mean, let's be honest, he probably was too good for us at that time without putting down our own club, but going to Spurs felt a bit of a... They were in a better position than us at the time, but I just, I don't know, it just felt like such a lack of uh, ambition on our part, but obviously there was more at play in the background as we found out later, but yeah. Yeah, he was, I think, is this the summer Bojinov came in? So, Bojinov, and I was convinced he was Wayne Rooney in Bulgarian form and was going to absolutely smash it up. And who knows, without that bad injury. Uh, yeah, and yeah. loads of players came in. I was 
really excited. Free curry in Albert Square from Faxing after. Oh, uh, I remember that. After I was a cup defeat to a David Silver inspired uh, team. Oh, that was awful, wasn't it? Valencia, was it? <laughs> yeah. I always get my V's mixed up. It's really real Valencia. And so, and, yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, free curry, singing Blue Moon from the town hall balcony. And it was like, this is, you know, I got absolutely rat that night. Lost my season ticket before the season had even started nice. <laughs> in some sports bar. And all these players were coming in. And yeah, I mean, Alano, he was already a regular in the Brazil squad. A BBC had televised a Brazil-Argentina game at Wembley the year before. Uh where he'd starred uh, Tevez, West Ham's Carlos Tevez, lined up for Brazil. And yeah, it's like a who's who uh, of five years of the Prem, wasn't it? Yeah, lined it's up for game. Argentina. Uh, and he was one of the standout performers, Alano, that day. And yeah, I mean, we all love a Brazilian coming in anyway. So <laughs> uh, yeah. he wasn't one of the showboaty types, uh, f- fancy flicks type players, but he was cultured like you'd expect from a Brazilian footballer. And I, I think I went to that summer coming off the Stuart Pearce years. Uh, really, going into the unknown, you didn't know what was going to happen, to be honest. I didn't think, oh, we're going to you know, storm the Premier League or we're going to get European football. I just felt a base level of excitement about all these exotic players coming in. And, yeah, and the club needed the club needed it at the time. Though, obviously, it turns out Shinoacho was probably not the right person to, to oversee all that, so... No, and I think, to summarise probably what you've just said, it was just nice to have a bit of excitement going into mm. the season, probably something that had lacked since the Kevin Keegan era when we first got promoted under Keegan, I would say, in that it was a bit of an unknown quantity, but there was a real sense of optimism around the club, which had been drained by those two, two and a half years, whatever they were under Stuart Pearce. Um, and... Listen, he makes his debut in, in what turned out to be quite a, a game that lives long in the, in the city memory. Certainly for me, I went down um, to West Ham. It was a beautiful sunny day at Upton Park, uh, another famous old ground no longer with us. Um, and this game's kind of been stolen by memories of Rolando Bianchi running through the the uh, East London air with his fine locks after scoring early on and um, Giovanni and Neda Manua doing a madness in the final minute uh, for an excellent win. But what is often lost about this game is, maybe I'm putting slightly rose-tinted glasses on it, but I just remember Alano absolutely running the show, certainly in the first half. I think he, he goes past two or three players, doesn't he, for the Bianchi goal and squares it across the box for a tap-in. Um, and it was just that directness and that energy that we probably hadn't seen you know that creative license, as I've just alluded to in the in the previous two and a half years, and it's certainly one of my all time favourite opening day City performances. And and he was at the heart of it. What what what's your memories of that day? And and did it like did it go above and beyond what you were expecting? Because that summer, to give some narrative, West Ham had signed the likes of Craig Bellamy, Freddie Youngberg. They had Alan Kirbishley in place. It was on the back of that amazing um, survival the previous year. So they had a lot of optimism too. And, and we completely played them off the park with a group of lads that had essentially been in place for two weeks maximum. Mm. Well, it just re- reinforced my belief that, yeah, something exciting was finally happening at the club. I say finally happening. It was exciting under Keegan, but 
ultimately you want the, the excitement to be at the very top level, don't you? And it felt like something special was brewing. Of course, we'd win our first three matches in the Manchester Derby, so I I don't I I do remember the highlights of that match. I, mean, I wasn't at the match, but you've got to remember we weren't used to winning away from home either. No. It's so standard now to actually expect to win every game. Yeah, it was huge, wasn't it? When we used it to was huge, away, yeah, because the good side, I imagine our previous record there would not have been good. I doubt we'd won at West Ham many times in the previous, whatever, how many meetups there. And it was the opening day, You say, as you say, yeah, the first match of a season, the hope, expectation can be dashed very quickly. Uh, now we're used to winning the opening game and this yeah this was like wow and it was just bright inventive it was just just reinforced the fact that it felt like a different club now and this felt like a fresh start new manager chairman and new players yeah can I ask you a question slightly off topic because it's something I thought about and, and the answer is yes on my part but it'd be interesting to get your appointment appointment opinion Um. Do you miss that feeling of what an away win and and similar kind of results meant because they were so precious at that time? Like obviously, you don't miss the greater picture of why they meant more, but like when we actually, do, do you know what I mean? When we achieved in the way win or the, like for example, when we beat United in the in the um, in the derby at Old Trafford uh, on the fiftieth anniversary of Munich for the first time mm. in like thirty four years, like it was just such an incredible feeling. Like you feel like. Barring probably winning the Champions League, there's not a lot that could give you that. It's hard to, to put to put the emotion it gave you into words. Do, do you miss that as a City fan at all? Or are you just happy to sacrifice that for what we have now? Almost? I think you have to sacrifice it, but yeah. I, I speak on the Friday show, you know, I speak to Crystal Palace fan uh, Dan, HLTCO, as he's known on Twitter. Fine gentleman. Uh, I think we talk about this. It's like... I'm not sure if it was him or sorry, you know, I've spoke to the opposition fan that it might have been a Newcastle fan last week. I can't remember when I said it because I've already recorded with Dan. Uh, but the point I made was like, and it sounds it sounds so spoiled and arrogant and stupid to say it. Sometimes I'm, I miss being average uh, because, because uh, I don't think it was Dan I said it to. And it's like, because sometimes it's like you've got a big game against United and the stress comes out. And you just don't want that stress anymore, that expectation that winning everything, win, winning like eight away games on a row is like a par score for City sometimes. That's how it's portrayed, perhaps not by City fans, but by that's how high expectations are that, you know, going to win at Brighton, for example, will just be seen as a good result rather than something special. Or winning at Bournemouth is the least we should be doing. So, yeah, there's nowhere to go from there, is there? Obviously, if we won at Liverpool, you could get that feeling because it, there yeah, are still yeah. rare things. But they come around a lot less often, of course. And, yeah, yeah, when we were at this stage, when you were, say, average or when every game could be lost, in a way, it did mean more to get these, these big wins. But, of course, it is rose-tinted because... With that, you had to take all the bad performances and all the times yeah. you didn't win. And, of course, what comes now is trophies, which far outstrips that feeling. So I don't, I'm not big on nostalgia or pining about the past and stuff like that. And I think too much of that happens 
but you are right. There is a base point there that sometimes you you miss that underdog feeling where you pull something out because we can never be underdogs again. Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.